you know, I remember um, my sister and I used to, we loved the football and we used to go and support dad and everything and we'd run, we, we weren't really allowed two little girls going into, uh, you know, the, the speech, the halftime speech or the end of game speech and we'd somehow try to sneak our way in behind all the big men and uh, crawl, get in there and hide behind their legs so we could listen to dad speak at, you know, halftime and, you know, learn a few uh, special words, obviously, very young age, two young girls, but um, it was, you know, sort of, I guess it set the scene for, you know, a life of high performance sport because I saw what needed to be done and I saw the types of coaching styles and I got to witness that at such a young age and I think that really helped me uh, persist through a whole lot of stuff in running that, um, you know, without those skills, I might have quit pretty early in the piece. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 97 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Honored to introduce four-time Australian Olympian Lisa Waitman to the Run Chats pod. Professional runner for ASICS Running, associate partner at IBM where she oversees a team of 236 consultants, and mom to seven-year-old Pete. Lisa could write a book on how she juggles it all, but is quick to credit her incredibly supportive family, running community, and colleagues at IBM. Her running journey is truly inspiring and nothing short of remarkable. Time and time again, Lisa was told she wasn't good enough or couldn't do something and has used that to fuel her enormous competitive fire. Lisa has a personal best of 225.15 in the marathon, 108.43 in the half, 31.20 in the 10K, and was a bronze medalist in the 2008 World Cross Country Championships. Lisa recently placed second at the Gold Coast Marathon in early July, running 225.55 at age 43. Can you say faster as a master? Lisa grew up in an athletic family, enjoyed netball as a kid until one too many crashes with the concrete caused her to shift her focus to running. In her teens, Lisa would run sessions with her dad's Aussie footy team, the Fitzroy Lions, so he could keep an eye on her. No doubt trying to keep up or outrun dad's athletes helped forge her competitive fire. It was also a full circle moment as she used to sneak into the locker room with her sister to try and listen to the halftime speeches from her dad, who coached the Fitzroy Lions in Australian rules football. I'm stoked to meet Lisa and Lachlan at the Berlin Marathon and rooting hard for her to chase down a new PR. It was truly a privilege to host this convo and share Lisa's incredibly inspiring journey. Let's dive on in and take a listen. Lisa Waveman, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? Doing great, Ron. It's a great morning here and lovely to be chatting with you. Yeah, let's let's give everybody a little background here. We got Lisa on from Melbourne, Australia. So we got our first Aussie guest on. Woohoo! Big shout out to Down Under. And uh, Lisa recently ran and came second place at the Gold Coast Marathon running a 225 at age 43, totally crushing it. 
unbelievable race performance. And she's getting ready to run Berlin, where we're going to see each other, hopefully. She'll be over there with the fam on a little holiday, but ready to mix it up and hopefully be competitive. And I'll give you all just a little background in her so you just pay attention and make sure you give her a follow. Four-time Olympian, 2008, 2012, 2016, 2020, most recently ran in Tokyo. We know her personal best is 225 in the marathon. So, so excited that she's agreed to come on and chat with me. And I can't wait to get into it all because on top of all the crazy running credentials, she's a mom of a seven-year-old and is an associate partner for IBM, which is a real life career job. So super impressive to get into how you juggle it all and make it work. Thanks, Ron. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So how about just a little intro and just tell the Run Chats audience like where you grow up, what family life was like as a kid, that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so grew up right here in Melbourne, only about 400 metres from uh, my parents' house right now doing this interview. So we've all stayed pretty close, my family. I've got a sister who's four years older uh, and she has a, a boy who's 16 who I'm coaching uh, for track and he's uh, playing uh, Aussie Rules footy at the moment. So I'm keeping him fit and getting ready for a grand final for tomorrow, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I have uh, my husband, uh, Lachlan, he uh, went to Rice University in Houston. Uh, he and I knew each other as youngsters at athletics trips, but we were both so shy that we never really even said boo to each other back then. And we met in our 20s and uh, got along like a house on fire straight up. And um, it's been an awesome adventure ever since. Uh, we got married in 2008 and we had our boy Pete on, in December in 2014. And yeah, we're just a super close family. Uh, Lachlan has one brother who uh, lives in Sydney. Uh, we've got some three awesome uh, nieces and nephews up in Sydney as well. And yeah, we're just a really close family. After the Gold Coast, we had a big family holiday, big reunion. Uh, to enjoy that moment and just get together because uh, we lived in the most locked down city through the pandemic. So I think we were locked down for almost two years, uh, homeschooling Pete and, uh, yeah, fitting in runs as we could in the lead up to the Olympics. So uh, it was really nice to have that opportunity to all spend time together post-marathon, just, you know, really enjoying a bit of sunshine and just enjoying family life. So, uh, yeah, I guess the key thing for me is um, to be able to do everything in my career. Uh, I've needed the support, so I've needed family really close by to be able to train and, and you know, just really get the best out of myself um, and then help my sister and, and help my family get the best out of, you know, the goals that they've set. So um, we kind of do it as a big unit, a bit of a community, and um, it seems to work for us. I love it. So you guys are all really super tight, obviously, um, and living in close quarters. I mean, you're all like right right there with each other. And you guys built a house, right? Like right near your neighborhood, right? Like within a block or two of like where you grew up, right? Which I know we're sent, exchanging some notes before we came on. I just think that's super cool, man. That must have been amazing for you, like to grow up there and be there and then, you know, to come back and then get a chance to build a home there. Was Was that like pretty amazing stuff? Yeah, the timing was absolutely perfect because um, we moved in around about when I ran New York City Marathon. It was a little, a little crazy uh, trying to prepare for another marathon and, and uh, finish this house off, which is a pretty big um, achievement in itself, building a home. I'm sure it's the same for you guys over there. Uh, but it was an opportunity for us to really create something that was our own and uh, we loved 
we love the opportunity to do that. And we actually finished in time before this pandemic hit, uh, which meant we all had our own space to do our thing during the lockdown. So we keep thanking uh, thanking our lucky stars constantly when we were in that lockdown period uh, that we'd finished that project and we were all able to, uh, you know, really kind of live and, and operate in a, a lockdown state but have the opportunity to all work and, and help Pete through that icky period, I guess, because he just started school. So it was all a bit crazy for a little boy to start school but not actually go. <laughs> different, Way different experience for these little ones, that's for sure. Yeah, what a time we're living through, right? Um, you know, I have a one of my good running buddies. Uh, his dad was sick and he couldn't get back home to Australia. He's been living in the U.S. for quite some time. And he finally was able to get over there um, before his dad. His dad wasn't well and um, see him, you know, before he passed. And I just know what a big deal it was for him, you know, to be able to spend some time with his whole extended family, which is still down in Australia. And it just was so hard. I mean, you know, here or whatever country, some countries were more locked down than others. Some were stricter, some were more lax, but wherever you were, we were all going through it and you couldn't have hit the nail on the head any differently. You know, to have a young boy who's really just getting ready to go to school. Kids either hate it at that point or they're like looking forward to it. Like, let me get out of the house with mom and dad and just go run around the schoolyard and cause some mischief. And, you know, here it is. It's like, oh, let's get thrust into, we just finished building a house and now we're in charge of homeschooling and all that other stuff and training for marathons, man. That's, that's a lot. And I would imagine on the work side with IBM, you guys fully must have transitioned to work from home, you know, pretty much, right? And just doing everything via Zoom as we're doing right now on this call, right? Yeah. So yeah, the good thing is that being a company like IBM, we were very well equipped at, you know, transitioning into remote <laughs> remote work. So um, that's been, you know, uh, you know, that transition wasn't too bad for all of us. But um, I think... The the saviour for me is I I look after a large team here in Australia and New Zealand, um, over 230 consultants, and I I just switch straight into kind of this mum mode of like okay I'm going to make sure all of this you know all my teammates are all happy they're all on an assignment they're all you know catered for they've got all the technology they need and I just kind of switched into that mode of checking on every everyone making sure they you know their mental health was being looked after and things like that. And that kind of gave me energy, even though I was stuck at home. Uh, it gave me the energy to feel like I was empowered to at least help everybody and do my best to look after everybody through that awful period. Uh, and yeah, we all kind of got through it together. We made sure all our clients were, you know, sorted. And, and so that was, you know, probably the, the biggest positive, I think, out of the pandemic from a work perspective that we all rallied together and worked out, you know, how to get things done. You know, some people were stranded in different states and lockdowns happened. You know, we, you, you had about 24 to 48 hours notice and all of a sudden you couldn't go to WA and things like that. So then you had to, you know, switch focus and work out how to solve that challenge. So, yeah, although we were all locked down, we, you know, there was plenty of energy required to uh, keep things going and making sure everyone was was mentally healthy. Yeah. You know, being a mom transitions well into the business environment as well, as you said, that that nur those nurturing characteristics come in handy and every mom knows how to be tough when needed. So some need the tough love, some, some need to be like, hey, I'm here for you. You know, you can check in with me every day. 
Um, I got this, you know, and, uh, you know, even in my own case, my son's graduated college, he's living in another state, you know, we were all broken apart, as you're talking about. Um, in your case, you're kind of all around the corner from each other. So you did have that physical ability to see each other. And, you know, whether you're all wearing masks or not, at least you're still in the same physical household and you can have a meal together and watch each other's children, etc. It's it's really added enormous stress to all of us that couldn't, you know, the ones that were broken apart. So good on you that you were, you know, looking out for the people. And I'm sure you guys were organizing regular calls to just have everybody seeing each other's faces and whatnot, because the days of going to the office, like, were out the window for that entire period. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we weren't actually here in Melbourne legally allowed to even go and have dinner with our parents, you know, only 400 meters away. Um, so it was pretty crazy. So you know, we'd go for a run and then stand out the front, you know, on the, the street, on the sidewalk. And, you know, my parents would be in their front yard and we'd be just like chatting to each other across the front yard and things like that, you know, because you were allowed to exercise uh, an hour a day, I think it was, for a while. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty crazy to think that we, we all went through that. Like, I, I, even now, I sometimes have to pinch myself to think, did that really happen? <laughs> Was that some crazy dream that we all experienced globally? It totally seems like a movie. It doesn't seem oh. like real life. I feel like it's something that we all watched on Netflix, but we actually were in it. You know, it's like, wait a yeah, minute. Oh, wait, I right. know this part. I remember this part. Yeah, this is when I didn't <laughs> see anybody for like two years. Yeah, or or yeah. this is when I stopped being able to have group runs with all my friends in Central Park. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really a bad time. Like, man, 10 years from now, we're all going to be like, you know, we'll probably, we'll probably be okay talking about it then. Right now, we don't want to talk about it anymore. We want to like transition and move on from it all. But Again, That's right. yeah. So, um, how was IBM as far as supporting? I mean, professional marathon runner, mom. You know, obviously, you have a serious career. You have a, a big position with them. How have they been with you with your running and you know, four Olympic games, all of this? I mean, have they been real supportive? Are are they really on board? Like, how how do they work with you to help you? You know, kind of do it all, if you will. Yeah, so I think it's been a bit of a, a partnership. I guess is probably the best way to describe it. Um, is, you know, over the years, obviously, we've had changes in leadership uh, and, you know, that that goes in cycles. So it's really been about the individual leaders and how passionate they are about their consultants and, and their teammates finding their passion and following that passion. And I think it's really important as a leader uh, to support your team in, you know, achieving things outside of work, you know, in um, sync with things that you want to achieve inside of work and because that creates holistically a better human and a more productive person and it, because everyone's happier they're pursuing their own personal uh, objectives and and also then bringing some of that skill that's learned into the business and to our clients so um, from that perspective I think a lot of people can see the particularly as marathon runners right our whole plan you know we set a goal that's into the future and that will be the marathon PB uh, we work back and we create like a project plan and it's all related, you know, it's all related to a long-term project, you know, technology delivery project or a business implementation. Um, you know, you have setbacks along the way, you know, that delay your project, you know, and you have to work out ways to deal with that and, work, you know, rally and get support from, you know, medical or nutrition or coaching and think different, you know, people just as you do um, with when you need, when you run into some tricky piece in a project and then you need to bring an expert in to help with that. So I think that most people, if they're into sport, can really relate to how 
um, you know, my life as an athlete is very similar to, um, you know, those kind of executing a project. And um, so that's been really helpful, I guess, in being able to talk and motivate, you know, the team and and show people how they can, you know, be anything. They don't have to be 100% focused on work as long as you're doing your work that, you know, that's required of you and getting things done. um, You can be something more holistic. And so, like, I've been kind of that, um, you know, I guess that illustration and, you know, walking the walk, so to speak, uh, in being that. So that they've embraced that. Um, look, I, I've worked pretty hard. I certainly haven't been a token worker. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've worked in, on delivery projects, um, you know, throughout my whole career. I've been with IBM this month, it'll be 20 years, uh, and worked through the ranks, starting out in, you know, being able to code and uh, write apps and things all the way through now to um, looking after this team and doing a lot of program management work and business development work for IBM. So, uh, yeah, it's been pretty a pretty big journey uh, and they've been pretty supportive. Uh, at last year, I guess especially, we had to uh, leave because we, we were in lockdown in Melbourne. We had to kind of hop our way up to the north of Australia in order to get heat acclimation because in Melbourne – you know, it's winter and it's it's cold, so you can't really prepare for a race like um, the Tokyo Marathon <laughs> um, that's in their summer. You can't prepare for it in Melbourne. So other than some treadmill sessions in the lead-up. So I needed to go away up to Cairns um, to join the team camp, and that combined with the Olympic time, combined with hotel quarantine for two weeks on the way back, uh, we were away for about nine and a half weeks. So it was pretty crazy uh, to be away for that long and so I needed some extra time off um, to be able to do that. Usually I don't take that long uh, away. Usually it's like Berlin, for example, I'm taking a week and a couple of days. I think majority of that is flying, <laughs> unfortunately, but uh, taking a very short trip to get to Berlin and home again. But, uh, yeah, usually we try to get a little bit of extra support from IBM so that I can take some extra time to fill all of the uh, commitments of camps and things when it's an Australian team uh, and also just, you know, get back and recover for a couple of days and then get back into things again. Yeah, those are those are tough periods when you're gone for that length of time. Um, even if you are still in Australia, you're still not at home with your son, your husband, you know, you're you're grinding, you're doing the miles and, you know, getting on the treadmill and putting a ton of layers on is not the same. I mean, it is a way to try and acclimate as best you can, but it's not going to be the same feel as like going to a camp and being with other, you know, teammates and obviously you all have to protect each other and be safe uh, and be wary of getting each other sick or potentially passing the virus to each other. But I love how you we talked about uh, coaching and business and running because I view it the same. I mean, I work in technology myself. Healthcare technology is the practice I'm in. And it is. It's like a statement of work, agreeing upon deliverables. The client has to buy into it. So it's like you're coaching you. You have to agree upon all these things. If you don't agree upon it and understand like what the expectations are, right? And then communicate during this whole process as you're going along, that's where we don't have our best. We don't reach our best. I mean, we could always have a day when we don't feel well or we don't get our fluids down or we're having stomach trouble or we're getting cramps or, you know, something can happen to us. But we're talking about like in the coaching cycle as you were doing business speak there. I think it's a great way to look at it because it is, it's a mutual partnership, right? And if both sides are really going to give everything to get the, the result that they're after, you know, the more that stuff's talked through, the better off you're going to be. That's right. That's right. 
And the marathon itself, you know, we can always draw from, you know, the bits where, you know, 7K to go where you're feeling really tired and you, but you want to pull your best piece out at that time. And, and it's very similar to when you're trying to go live with a technology project, you know, you're at that stage where you're tired and you've been working sometimes some extra hours to try and get things done or catch up on the plan and things like that. And, um, you know, you're trying to get to that best point and deliver and come through the finish line, uh, not crawling across the line. You're coming through happy and, and uh, elated. And so you can really draw um, on from the experience on both sides uh, if you've experienced both and help each, you know, depending on which hat you're wearing at the time, you can use the running piece and the strength and endurance from running when you're on a project and vice versa. So I think that kind of really does help, um, you know, from a mental training perspective. And you personally have worked with your coach for a long time, right? I have, yeah. I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, my coach, uh, Richard Telford, he coached my dad, Australian Rules Footy. Um, he's a bit of a legend down here. And, um, and my dad played Australian Rules Footy and then went on to coach. So we've had sport in the genes, you know, for a very long time. And, um, you know, we've really, uh, my dad was an old school kind of, and so, and Richard's similar you know they had the old school coaching styles and addresses and you know I remember um my sister and I used to we loved the football and we used to go and support dad and everything and we'd run we, we weren't really allowed two little girls going into uh you know the the speech the halftime speech or the end of game speech and we'd somehow try to sneak our way in behind all the big men and uh crawl get in there and hide behind their legs so we could listen to dad speak at you know halftime and you know, learned a few uh, special words, obviously, very young age, two young girls. But um, it was, you know, sort of, I guess it set the scene for, you know, a life of high-performance sport because I saw what needed to be done and I saw the types of coaching styles and I got to witness that at such a young age. And I think that really helped me uh, persist through a whole lot of stuff in running that, um, you know, without those skills I might have quit pretty early in the piece. Um, and then, you know, Dick came, um, was part of our, you know, part of our family, uh, for very, since I was, you know, since I was born, basically. And, uh, when I got to, uh, year 2000, it was, and I'd had quite a few stress fractures, um, as a junior athlete. And I talked to him at a half marathon, uh, at, in Noosa, one of the special races I tried to do quite regularly here and, um, asked him if he'd help me out and, and give me some mentoring and, use his physiology to help me because uh, I wanted to try the marathon. And he agreed and we went through, you know, a period of trying to stop the injuries and um, eventually came out on the other side. Um, and here I am like four Olympics later, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Um, so your dad and your coach have been together like, you know, <laughs> for an incredibly long period of time. I think the best part of that story is I would love to see a photograph or a video of you two trying to sneak in there behind the giants because they're probably <laughs> all jumbo, you know, big guys, <laughs> you know, all kinds of cuss words are going on. We could drop F-bombs on this show regularly um, and do. Um, so, you know, you're just trying to squeeze your way in to hear what the heck is going on. And it's your dad. I mean, how cool, how cool must that have been, you know, as a young kid? And, so you're being around, you know, seeing him, you you know, his, uh, he, him being a good athlete himself, a terrific athlete, and then going on to coach 
and, you know, try to inspire the team and athletes and how he approached that. You know, that stuff has to transfer over. It just does. I mean, not just genetically, of course, but also just like the drive, the ambition, like, you know, how you go after things, how you go after goals. I mean, it just, I, I find that the, to be the most fascinating of stuff of like where we get it from and, you know, how much do we get from our moms and our dads, or is it even from a cousin or someone else? Or sometimes it's a brother or a sister who we just really look up to and we're like, wow, I want to be like them. And, you know, one day I'm going to play footy like my dad or, you know, like that kind of thing. So you had a lot going, you get a very athletic family. Was it kind of a mix from everywhere? Like where you're, competitiveness, drive and fire come from? Yeah. So um, running was in the genes. Uh, so my half brother, he was a good athlete in his own right. Um, he was an athlete during when the war broke out. So um, the Olympics wasn't on at the time that, you know, at his peak time. So he missed that opportunity. So, but there was, you know, the genetics was there. I think my nan would have um, would have been a good runner, but, you know, she spent her life getting up at four in the morning and milking cows in country Victoria. So, you know, th there wasn't the opportunities for females that we have now. You know, that's something to that I know it's always a battle and, you know, a conversation about women's rights and things like that. Um, you know, but thankfully I'm in an era where, you know, I am having the opportunity to do a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and it's and it's re widely recognised and valued and everyone celebrates it just as much as they celebrate the men doing it. Um, so I'm really lucky in comparison, you know, my nan didn't get those chances, but I, I'm pretty confident that, um, you know, that she would have been a pretty good hot runner. I think if she had have been able to go and race and she, she lived till she was 96. So women in my family seem to, um, you know, to have a lot of endurance. I'm hoping that's a good sign for me. Um, but, but yeah, look, we grew up, grew up, my sister and I being part of the, the footy scene and just really loving that. And um, one of my intros into training, like going from just going for a few runs for school cross country and things to actually starting to do a bit of a, a mini training program was um, was training and doing preseason training with my dad's footy team. So I was in my teens, I think, and dad was a bit worried about me just running the streets after school because, um, you know, in the middle of winter, it would um, be pretty dark and and they would be, he would be out training with the boys in pre-season as well. And, and so it was like, just come to pre-season. And then, um, you know, if you enjoy just training at the Oval and stuff, then you can just come through winter and do some of the sessions there. Um, so I ended up, you know, doing and running with through the summer months with all these, you know, blokes, you know, like what, 10 years older than me. Um, and, and I think it was a bit of a strategy on dad's part because, you know, none of them would want to get beaten by the coach's daughter, would they? <laughs> so it kind of worked, for, you know, worked really well for everyone. Uh, maybe not some of the players who, who I was then going on to beat. But, uh, yeah, it was really fun experience and it meant that I wasn't on my own, uh, you know, trying to get to training and things like that. So uh, that's one of my early experiences. Um, and since then I've probably spent most of my career training uh, with men as opposed to um, training with groups of girls because uh, we're all kind of scattered around the country at the elite level here in Australia. We all live uh, in different places and a lot of us are mums these days as well. And so we have to train when we can individually you know, around everything else in life. So it's a lot harder uh, to kind of travel and meet each other to train as elite females. But 
um, we seem to all be able to find a you know a nice group of boys to run with, which is really helpful. Or in my case, you just marry marry someone and um, <laughs> and you train with them all the time too. <laughs> you marry your athletic you marry your athletic husband, and this way you just can keep keep it rolling and guaranteed to keep the athletic genes rolling into the next generation. So it's a win win. <laughs> And dad's, I love dad's strategy because it's brilliant on every end. A, he can find out how tough you are and how fast and feisty you're going to be because you're, like you said, these gigantor dudes, all much older. None of them are going to want you whipping by him. That's for sure. No guy's ever going to want, who's this little girl? That's the dad's coach. Oh no. They're like hearts <laughs> ready to burst out of their chest. Their lungs are like expanding and they're, they're ready to keel over. So he's finding out a little bit of everything there by having you be part of the mix and what a cool, what a cool experience. And for my Aussie friends, because I don't know the names of the clubs and all, like what team is it? Because they're gonna, I get roasted if I didn't at least ask you, you know, what team he's involved <laughs> with, and be like, why did you ask her that? So please tell us. <laughs> yeah. So my dad played for Fitzroy, uh, the Lions, but um, since then they've merged with um, a Queensland team, which they are now known as the Brisbane Lions. So, yeah, that's where Dad played and my coach played for Collingwood. So most people will know Collingwood. And then Dad went on to work at Collingwood until he just re- recently retired um, after, you know, after all these playing days and things like that were over. So, yeah, so we've had quite a few um, few years and years, actually. My dad actually also did the running for Carlton, um, so that's the third team, uh, and until he did his Achilles, actually, in a practice game. So, uh, yeah, it's been an adventure, lots of learning experiences, getting through injuries and, uh, yeah, but it's been such a valuable asset uh, for me uh, to, you know, learn and have all of those experiences to take with me through my life and then pass those on to my nephew and uh, Thomas and, and obviously our son Peter. Yeah, that's great. You're already working with coaching your nephew. So, you know, that's automatically going to bring your son. He's going to be like, hey, mom's mom's out here rocking these races. And wait, he's coaching the nephew. I better start doing this stuff or mom's not going to pay attention. I grew up in a house with two brothers. It was my, my little mom who, by the way, is going to be 90. You're talking about old age. She's going to be 90 on Monday. So uh, we're super excited for her. She's a tiny little Irish woman, um, as feisty and as tough as they come. No one tougher. Never met anyone tougher or stronger or just more uh, more amazing, um, just how she did all the things she did with us. But as boys, you know, we're a year and a half apart, Lisa. We're all like, you know, jumping on the table, waving our hands. Hey, mom, I'm over here. Like, hey, I'm over here. Like, God knows the stuff we would do just to get the poor woman's attention. You know, like you would think, you know, she'd have been gone 20 years ago with the, with the hell that we put her through. But I think it just made her stronger. So um, I love yeah. that you're connected with your nephew and, you know, your son is going to want to follow suit and your husband super athletic. I mean, you guys have all of that good stuff going on. And I know when you exchanged some notes with me before we came on, we were talking about sports that you played as a kid, because I always ask it. I had to ask Alexa when I was in the bathroom going over the show notes. I was like, hey, Alexa, what's netball? You know? <laughs> so everybody down in Australia would be like, everybody knows what netball is. I'm like, well, I had no idea what it was. So tell us what netball is, man. Yeah, so you have sections of it, the court is broken up into three sections, and you know you have a shooting side just like basketball, but it's just a different version of basketball, I guess. Um, you know you have your your goal side, you have your defense side, and in the middle you have your your center square. 
And, uh, yeah, you have positions on the court and you're not allowed to go offside. You're not allowed to go into a position that, you know, is your offside position or the ball gets turned over. Uh, it's really fun. I think uh, for Nepal, for me, in the end, because I could run, uh, anyone that couldn't run, they just kind of tripped me over to get, um, you know, like to, <laughs> to stop me from running. So I ended up getting knocked out quite a few times by hitting the ground, <laughs> hitting the concrete because we used to play uh, on con- on hard concrete, um, you know, at some of the centres. Uh, so after a while, I think, um, yeah, getting tripped over a lot was kind of a bit frustrating for me and um, I started to learn that I was really good at running too. So I thought, oh, I can probably take running to a, um, you know, a higher standard because netball only goes up to Commonwealth Games level. Um, it's not at the Olympic Games. I thought, oh, I'll have this try at running and see where that takes me. And then, you know, year after year of setting new PRs and, and new goals, I kind of ended up uh, moving on from netball and, and continuing on the running journey. Love it. So getting smashed into the concrete, man, that doesn't sound like too much fun. But been there, done that. Yes, enough dashes. And, you know, they go to the principal's office and like, you again? It's like, what happened? I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to play with my brother's friends who are like three times my size. And like, you know, God forbid I ever came home and like cried to my mom or, you know, I was like bleeding. And she just like, you know where the Band-Aids are. Go back to the park. You know, it was like, we got we got the tough love served up over there, Lisa. We weren't, we weren't messing around. So you made a good choice. You made a good choice, you know, deciding to shift gears from netball to running. So at what age do you really see and start to feel like, hey, I have some talent, I'm competitive, like maybe this could really be something for me? What, when does that kind of start to occur? Yeah, so when I was in high school, I made it through to like our state level uh, track for 1500. And I rocked up to my first state uh, race in like, we used to have a sports uniform that you laugh, a netball skirt. So it's like this pleated skirt, right? And a polo shirt. Um, and runners, you know, just normal runners. And so I'd rock, I rock up at this um, state uh, 1500, you know, and all the girls have got like their one piece because we used to wear one piece then, one piece and like these fancy spikes and I'm looking at them going, hmm, <laughs> I think I need to work out what I'm, you know, this is not really going to work. Um, and that particular year I came seventh in, uh, I remember it really well, I came seventh in the 1500. And after it, I said to mum and dad, I really want to win a medal next time. Um, so I'm going to train. Can you work out how I can actually train and get better? Uh, and so they bought me some spikes. They bought me these um, awesome pink spikes, actually. And uh, and the following year, and I trained with the local coach, Jeff. And, um, you know, I only trained you know, a couple of days a week. I didn't go into any crazy training regime. But, you know, it was enough. And then the change in footwear and things for the race the following year. And I got a bronze medal that um, that following year. So I was pretty pumped and excited that I'd, you know, taken this step forward. And I was still playing netball at the time uh, for school. But it wasn't until I uh, moved into into my 20s, really, that I really had um, a real chance at demonstrating what I could do. Um, I had, in when I was about 18, I started to get some stress fractures. So I started getting a stressies in my tibia. And it was caused because my um, right foot would roll in and it just roll in all the time and then that would put a lot of pressure um, on the tendons and that would just pull at a particular weak spot on the bone and it just continued to happen every time I tried to do a bit of track work. 
So I spent my, you know, sort of late teens and early 20s running really well at cross country because I'd always be able to train through the cross country. But the minute I hit the hard, hard track surface and tried to do track work, I'd get sore in my shin and then I'd start this whole cycle again. Uh, and so eventually, you know, we got through that and, you know, um, one of the coaches in Victoria, Pam Turney, um, she was fabulous and helped me through that and really, and she really nurtured my cross country skills. And, um, that was really handy because she got me to, um, the opportunity to run in three world cross country championships. And we won a team bronze medal, uh, for Australia in that period. So it was, you know, find the silver linings, I guess, in an otherwise challenging time. And so, you know, she really built that strength, um, in me. Uh, for cross country running and then uh, eventually I um, was thought I was ready and wanted to have a go at running the marathon and so we worked with Dick, Pam and I to get ready for the marathon and Dick um, filled a, a mentoring uh, physiology role and then the following year in uh, 2009 um, then Dick took over as my coach so um, it's been a really great uh, journey having some amazing coaches to help me get through you know, that period where I was just getting injured all the time and didn't, you know, wasn't able to show the types of, um, you know, the, I guess, the performances that I could really put on board. I knew I had the talent because I could put it in out there in training and I could do some really good sessions that some of the athletes before me that, you know, Pam and Dick had coached, um, you know, they, they had their little diaries. They knew what the girls had done for them in the same sessions in the same locations. So they knew I had it in me. Um, I just wasn't able to demonstrate it because I get, you know, keep getting sore in the shin. So it was um, a bit of a journey, like quite an endurance journey, just getting to the point of being able to, you know, um, kick that whole injury problem. Um, you know, and I think the new sh- shoes, as the new shoes got better and I got some really great help from a podiatrist here in Australia, David Walker, who, um, you know, he was a huge part of uh, me kicking that that whole shin problem with some special orthotics that he custom made for me and uh and you know one day I went into his office and and I explained the story to him and he said oh don't worry Lisa I'll get you running as many kilometers as you like and at this point it'd been years of you know heartbreak and uh I said to him okay you know and sort of a bit skeptical I was given what I'd you know gone through um, but he was right. I, from there, I was able to start transitioning into more marathon training and, oh, not, not the marathon training I'm doing, you know, I've been doing lately or, or what the other girls I was running against were doing. But for me, you know, to be able to run a week of 120 kilometers was like a huge, you know, huge, um, achievement. So, you know, when I started my career as a marathoner, I started running about that those distances and and then just year after year we just started to add a bit more and lay a bit more foundation and um yeah it's a big long journey but um yeah it's been a pretty fun one despite the ups and downs ups and downs are part of it that's what makes a good story um and cross country was probably fantastic for your development anyway i mean it builds so much strength and character the courses are so damn tough and um, the runners are tough, man. It's not just the courses. The runners are tough, man. It's cross country is just so gritty and um, difficult. And um, is it real popular in Australia, cross country? Yeah, yeah. We um, we have a great tradition. I mean, we have Benita, who's a good friend of mine, win one win world cross. Um, you know, so yeah, we 
we are always celebrating that achievement. It's a pretty big deal for an Australian female to to win World Cross. And uh, yeah, we just we we had our national cross actually. I didn't run, but we had our national cross only just last week, and and it was a tough course. It was like a mud bath. Um, so the athletes are still talking about it now. Uh, I'm probably at the stage where my cross country days. I think I'm happy to leave that for the youngsters and uh, continue on the roads. But um, I certainly loved. You know, love my time running cross country and especially, you know, in the green and gold and winning that team medal was probably one of the biggest highlights of my career. It was pretty fun. Um, you know, I can still kind of relive that moment of, um, you know, the final lap. Unfortunately for you guys, we actually ran through and uh, took the medal away from the US. So um, we, <laughs> it was uh, over the PA if I, if I was to, they were screaming it out over the PA that if I was to finish ahead of the two Americans that were in front of me, then we would we would take the medal. Um, so I had like this commentary going while I was running down the US girls, and we were very fortunate to get the the team medal. So it was a pretty big buzz for us. What an awesome story! Um, and it, you look, that's beautiful, man. I and mean, that's, that's so cool. Cause it's, it's truly team running. I mean, that's what cross country is. It's just like going back to high school or college days when you really are part of a team and how many score and, you know, it's really the people that are in that last place or maybe picking off those last two runners like you did that are going to make the difference. It's not always the person who actually wins the race or, you know, maybe comes in the first two or three. So what a, what a cool story. And, yeah, it's a bloodbath out there and a mud bath and everything in between, man. It's just, uh, it's blood and guts. It's hard. It's tough. You don't think you can breathe or survive. And somehow you make it through these races and, you know, you come out stronger for it. But it's so cool. I, I, the first thing I thought of, there's two things I would automatically think of with your injury thing. A was orthotics was one immediately, but the second was nutrition. Because a lot of the runners that I'm talking to that are doing high mileage that or at the pro level like yourself, a lot of times they're struggling with nutrition and vitamin D or iron or other things. And, um, you know, I always plug inside tracker cause I am an ambassador for them. And, um, you know, I just believe in their stuff so much cause it helps me at 61 know what's going on in my own body, just as much as it's going to help an 18 year old girl who's just starting to put a lot of miles on her frame at a collegiate level, who's just getting her first scholarship and maybe going to be facing these things that you faced. So it's really cool that you found this podiatrist and he started to work with you because new shoes aside without the orthotics, you wouldn't have made it to the new shoes, Lisa. You wouldn't have made no. it that far, right? Tell no. tell tell the Run Chats audience, because I'm telling you, you wouldn't have made it. You probably would have just no. burned out and said, this is too much. I can't. Every time I go here, I'm going to get another stress fracture. I mean, it's exhausting, right? I mean, it's got to be just unbelievably debilitating mentally to be fit and strong and have this ability, but then you just can't, you can't go beyond a certain level without having that recur, right? Yeah, and I think for me it wasn't really about nutrition, which is good. You know, I mean, it's sad to see that that does happen in our sport so often and, it, you know, it's heartbreaking to see, you know, athletes think that skinny is the right option um, because then you're not even on the, the playing field um, in most instances. Um, but for me, I think it was more about recovery. So I think it was about, you know, I wasn't able to, you know, you know stop my foot from rolling in, which was then pulling on the tendon. But then on top of that, because I was at the time working, you know, I was at the early stage of my consulting career and and studying through that time as well, um, you know, I think recovery was a bigger part of it for me because I was trying to, you know, I really wanted to be an elite athlete, but then I also, you know, needed to make sure I had a career because, 
running wasn't going to pay any bills for me. So, um, I mean, I didn't get any support from our, you know, <laughs> our governing body or anything like that because I wasn't seen as being anyone that was going to achieve anything. Um, and so everything I had to do, I had to do kind of with the support of my family, but, you know, but on my own essentially. And and so I certainly wasn't someone who was going to just go, well, I'm going to throw all my eggs in the running basket because I really think I can do it uh, when everyone was telling me I couldn't do it, you know. So um, I focused on work and study and got that part of my life going. Uh, and I think that's probably just how it was meant to be, if, if you know what I mean. So, you know, had I not done that, then I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now you know, and be pretty content and probably at a stage now where I can focus a bit more on running than the other way around. So I'm sort of doing it the opposite way to what most of the, you know, the college runners and 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 that do where they put like all their eggs into that running basket early. Uh, but yeah, having, trying to juggle the, the two was really challenging in its own right. And once I started to create a bit more balance in my life, um, you know, quite a few years into my career at IBM, uh, then and adding the orthotics and, you know, having the changes, the improvements in shoes as they went through, as we went through the years, and then getting such great help from um, Dick Telford. And yeah, it it really, all of those things together over time really kind of came together to then give me the opportunity to move into marathons and um, and really see what I could do. And that's what makes your story so much more inspiring because it, none of it came easy. None of it came in some sort of, you know, fashion that someone would expect. And we runners are always talking about how running isn't linear. We all know that, but still we all expect it to be. We all expect, well, if I run this we many always- more miles and I keep running, I'm going to be faster in my 10K. Or, no, 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 no. Absolutely nothing <laughs> is promised in this world of running as we know, as you know. Um, but some of these lessons that you've learned or were forced to learn, I think it gives you a enormous gratitude and appreciation for our sport, right? You're sidelined, you're, you're going on this path. It looks like it's starting to go in the right direction. And then it's really, you get pulled back again. You're hurt again. You're still not really sure why. So you're kind of learning about the ups and downs of the sport. You have your career, but you also have to keep the foot on the gas and that a hundred percent, you know, you're not getting any money from Australia. You're not getting paid. You don't have some huge sponsorship deal. If you're not winning a race, as you said, you're not making any money. So you're just doing all this other work outside of your business career. And it takes a special person to stay in there in that environment and just kind of let it continue to evolve. You, you, there isn't any script where it says, here's exactly what Lisa has to do and it's going to work. So you're learning about, how much how important recovery is you know you're learning about these things that you know after you get the orthotics and after the shoes become more supportive and you have a great coach and you're learning how to train better you've been injured before you understand what that's like and you don't want to be injured again you want to be healthy man you want to be out there running a race with your kit on with the australian colors flying high and proud and now you know like it's going that way so i think some of that heartbreak and some of those injuries and some of those like really formative things that you had to face and some of those struggles, I think it set you up to be more or less who you are. I mean, what do you, do you think? Yes, no, you don't have to agree with me. You can go in a totally different direction, but what do you, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not someone that gives up easily, you know, um, uh, one of the doctors said to me in, you know, maybe when I was around 20, can't remember the years now, it's all a bit of a blur, but 
uh, said, I don't think you're going to be a marathon runner, Lisa. I, I think you better buy a bike and take up triathlon. Maybe just doing the different disciplines will help you keep going, you know. And I thought, oh, I don't have time for all these disciplines, you know. And uh, I wasn't much of a cyclist. I'm up and ride, but I'd never actually had a cycling coach or cycling friends. Um, you know, so I, I did buy a bike, funnily enough, and I rode it around, but I was a bit scared on our roads. So I was like riding it around like circuits and things like that um, to get a feel for it and see, you know, what it'd be like. And and then I set a goal when I was injured to run, uh, to sorry, to swim, run naturally falls off the tongue, but to swim 5K without stopping, you know, as you do, you've got to set yourself some crazy goal. And so I worked up to that and, and achieved that. And then once I'd achieved swimming 5K without stopping, I was then, hmm, don't think this sport is for me. Uh, it's really boring and I'm glad I've ticked that goal off, but I never want to do that again. <laughs> so um, I kind of took myself into that, you know, that moment of checking whether I thought I might want to do triathlons. Um, my early 20s and said no I'll cross that off the list I'll uh, go back to running thanks and uh, started running again and then from there that's when you know I started to introduce the help from uh, the podiatrist and Dave and you know and you know things started to turn in the right direction which was really handy I mean I still had you know injuries Um, I broke my sacrum um, in the Christmas of 2013 um, you know, 2012, 2013, and um, I was meant to go and run my second Commonwealth Games, uh, and I broke my sacrum, so I couldn't run over Christmas, and uh, got back into running using the Ultra G. So we didn't have those back, you know, back in the day, but that was certainly such a helpful tool nowadays to all the athletes coming back from injury, and um, got back into it. But um, then Lachlan and I found out we were pregnant with Pete, so. Um, I think I got a different medal <laughs> from that experience. So, you know, I've had other other injuries that have kind of happened, but I think for a, you know, they've been a positive in the end. Um, so I guess I I also take injuries, uh, you know, take the heartbreak of injuries a little differently now that I'm older and things that I've learnt and achieved. I don't dwell on them as much as I used to. Um, I try to just find something else that I can put my energies into. Um, and that's really worked really well for mental health and, and all of that. And the injury kind of gets healed a bit quicker, I think, too, than, than when you sit there and dwell and feel down about, you know, about them. Yeah. Um, we need our families at those times to rally and we need distractions. Um, you know, cause most of these injuries, if it's a real injury and we're going to call it an injury, it's usually a bone or a stress fracture, or maybe it's a tendon or a ligament or something. They're, they're long, you know, they're not short things, you know, we don't, we don't count, uh, you know, piriformis and muscle tightness and 900 other things that we're foam rolling a million times or putting <laughs> yeah. our, putting our, you know, our, uh, boots on and all the other things that we're doing to just keep ourselves out there, you know, and keep ourselves yeah. rolling. Um, but the real injuries um they're the ones that take their toll but uh you know obviously you're continuing to just do amazing stuff i mean to run 225 at 43 is, is super super impressive and you know i you you may have more in the tank i mean i think i think there's more in the tank so um i think it'd be fun i know you always i always like to talk to like favorite races favorite moments and my lord you have four olympics um but i want to <laughs> i do want to talk about uh 
you know, your recent race on, you know, basically on home turf, you know, after lockdown and all that. I mean, your family's there. I mean, your whole family's there. Your coach, like all those people are there. And then just anybody who roots for you, you know, Australia home base, you know, like me running in New York City would be or Boston runners running on the Boston course. So, I mean, can we start with that one just because it's so recent and it's your PR and then you can pick any other favorite ones or, you know, meaningful moments you want to talk through. Yeah, so Gold Coast, um, so originally I wanted to run Berlin. So that was my goal for this year. Uh, I wasn't selected for our Commonwealth Games team, which was unfortunate. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, when, you know, when one door closes, you work out, well, what am I, you know, what, what's next? There's another path for me. So um, I really wanted to run Berlin. I thought it was the best chance for me to run fast. And I'd, um, you know, I'd set a 10K PR earlier in the year and, you know, ran out of my skin there and was, you know, felt like I was really going to have a good year. So I thought, why not? Berlin's the fastest course in the world. Um, and then in the lead up, I hadn't actually heard uh, about whether I had a spot. And so in the lead up, we thought, you know what, let's run Gold Coast, you know, um, we'll do that. And then, you know, hopefully I get a spot at Berlin and find out soon. But um, let's do Gold Coast first. I have, I have, um, set the um, the course record for the 10 and the half there and I'd never ran the marathon there before so I thought why not let's give it a try and uh, and I knew the course was a lot tougher so hats off to Lindsay she ran amazing um, and yeah she just absolutely crushed it the the course is not easy you kind of had these little rises and there's a, quite a camber on the road um, but the atmosphere is um you know really amazing on the Gold Coast and the holiday vibe and everything so it makes it such a fun uh fun marathon to do you have everybody lining the streets of Broad Beach and and great memories from when I um won Silver at Com Games there only a few years earlier so uh, we were really pumped about it and we had this family holiday booked um and one of my um absolute close friends like family to me Michael Shelley um he's won a couple of Commonwealth Games gold medals uh, for Australia in the marathon. Um, he came out of retirement to pace me for part of the race and ended up making it to 30K. So it was pretty fun just running with him on the day. Um, and, yeah, we made it like a really fun experience. Would have been nice to win, uh, but I'm really happy for Lindsay to have that that moment because, uh, yeah, pretty special and certainly uh, helped, um, you know, me, motivate me to continue on and keep keep working hard for what I want to achieve. Uh, yeah, so we had a great time. Um running Gold Coast and uh shortly after I found out I was in Berlin so it was like yes I'm in in that race too and this year's going to be really cool like a couple of really great half marathons this year that I ran and um Pete was happy because we kept having family holidays in Queensland because <laughs> we kept going back for races this year uh and so yeah everyone was really happy and excited about what we've achieved so far and yeah now let's see what happens in Berlin. Awesome. Now, did you and did you see Pete, your husband, you know, other family relatives? Like, were they out there in the course where you could see them? They have signs. I mean, was it like cheering sections, or was it just like you're blown by so quickly you really can't notice? Like, what what was that like? I mean, did you see them at parts on the course? Yeah. So, uh, Locke's parents, um, so they were out with us as well. They were out on the course. Um, Pete was on the course. My family, we're not really signs or t-shirt kind of people. You know, we're pretty like quiet and <laughs> reserved, I think, um, is probably what you would say. Um, so yeah, no signs for me, but, um, yeah, I probably was, uh, they, you know, Lachlan knew that I was well looked after by Michael. 
um, pacing me along. So, and I had some really great training partners too, who were doing their debut marathon. And, um, so they were in the pack as well for a little while. And, um, so that made it feel kind of like a training run. You know, I felt like we were all just kind of hanging out, you know, um, rather than this big pressured situation, um, you know, that you get in an Olympic type situation. And, uh, so it was kind of nice. It was felt pretty, even though I was something, I was trying to run, you know, quick and, and, you know, do a good job on the day. Um, I felt quite relaxed about the whole thing, uh, which, which was kind of nice. I mean, not so much in the last 3K. I was pretty tired and, uh, and my foot actually was struggling a bit on the camber. So, um, I was really sore. I had some chafing in between my knee, which is a bit strange, but I think just because the foot, you know, would roll in, but then because the roads were like that, you know, you're constantly, and then when you turn around, you've got the same thing. You're not doing any reverse. So, um, yeah, I wasn't getting much reprieve. So I was getting quite a lot of pain through my arch of my foot and into my calf. Um, and that really like, you know, that made it difficult for me to then kind of pick it up in the second half. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to the roads of Berlin being just totally flat. And then I won't have any of that, uh, to contend with. Uh, yeah. So, but in terms of, I think you asked earlier, um, other race experiences. Um, I think the, it's hard to say which one is your favorite. Cause when someone asks me that question, it depends on which one comes to mind at the time as to the best one, you know, because I mean, running New York City is like a party, an amazing experience. Um, and I absolutely loved every minute of that run. And also, I guess, because I didn't have a huge expectations on my performance that day, but exceeded them because um, we were kind of in the middle of finishing this house and I wasn't really training as solidly as I would have liked to. But, um, yeah, I was so excited to to finish under 2.30 and, and run um, in eighth place. So that was pretty special. And seeing the crowd and just running through such an amazing city is um, pretty cool. Um, but I think London uh, Olympics was probably one of the best things for our family. We had everyone there and it's the only Olympics that I've had the family there, you know. So the others, we've had, you know, Zika virus in Rio. We've had COVID for Tokyo and Beijing. Um, I made Beijing off my first marathon debut. So I um, it was a bit of a whirlwind. Like one minute I was like not a marathoner at all and then the next minute, you know, a few months later I was going to the Olympics. So um, it was all a bit, um, you know, a bit surreal, the whole Beijing experience as well. So London was just so good because we had like school friends from Locks Uni, Locks College and, um, come over to London. We had, um, our friends, our Australian friends who are living in London. Um, we had all of our, um, family and, and my coach and, and we all got to really enjoy and celebrate, um, you know, coming together across you know different countries in the world and and really enjoy the olympic experience which is what it traditionally was about um bringing you know unity and and um celebration of sport and so i feel like so privileged to have ran at the london olympics because i feel like i've really had that uh, true immerse in an olympic experience and everything that it's meant to you know signify so yeah so that's probably the the highlight if i go through it all um, the others have been absolutely an honour to be part of the team, but they've come with a lot of challenges, as we all know, with, uh, yeah, trying to run your best when you're dealing with, um, you know, things, all these different viruses and things popping up and, you know, leaving your family behind because they can't come and all of that gut-wrenching stuff. 
um, certainly made it a lot harder to perform at my best at the others. No doubt. Well, thank you for sharing some of those because I was so happy when you picked New York. I was like, which one is she going to talk about? Which one? Which one? <laughs> she has so, so many good. to choose from in London, fifth in London, like amazing. And having your family to be there with you for part of it is just remarkable. But um, you, the New York experience, I'm, you know, of course I'm from here. So it's, it's, it sounds like the Homer talking, you know, like rooting for his own team, but there's no race like New York. I mean, it's crazy. It's madness. Uh, you know, we were talking about Berlin before we came on. I'm excited you're going to get to run there because it's just a phenomenal course. You couldn't have a flat road. It's flat. It's level. It's not, there's no can to the road. <laughs> there's nothing crazy. There's no pitch in the road at some angle because I was ready to come down there and run Gold Coast until you told me that. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, like I, that, that puts a lot of strain on the, everything, the knee, the tendons, all of it. I mean, you know, when you're running like that, you know, the ITB is doing extra work, all kinds of stuff's going on but you know we'll suffer through just about anything to run a good race and have the crowds and That's the juice right. involved but new york so a couple of observations like with your gold coast you know so you had a, a training partner to at least go for that first 30k you said it yourself it felt more a little more or less like a training run of course it's not a training run you ran 225 for christ's sakes but mm -hmm. still you had so you had that company of someone you're comfortable with somebody you know you talked about training with men before somebody who's won a gold and you know a commonwealth so like an impressive runner obviously in his own right but it's still a 12k to go so it's not like you'd had no work left to do you had a lot of work left to do but that had, <laughs> that helps right i mean we're, we have to find that space that the way that we can achieve our best right that we can be at our optimal performance and the only way that ever happens for any of us i don't care if you're a master's runner or you're college runner whatever you're running the commonwealth games olympics like we have to find a way to get into that spot that zone where we're really at comfort or at peace and so you're more relaxed you're running it's it's feeling more like a hard training run let's say and then sure the the, the pain and the grit's always going to come and it did maybe it wasn't the whole last 12k maybe it was really the last 7k as you said where you really started to feel it but you made it through and you got to celebrate with them then also same similar thing in New York. Your focus was so much, you and Lachlan, on building your house and getting that situated. And you said yourself you weren't training probably quite with the same intensity. Or even if you were, your focus was I had to be on the house. It had to be like a different place for you, Lisa, than you know, normally like I'm I'm here, I'm getting ready for this race. I'm here. No, you were that house had to get done. I'm sure you were managing it like a project for IBM. You had a timeline, you had contractors. Yeah. <laughs> See, look at the eyes. I know. You're like, this has to get done, Lachlan. We're getting this done. And you guys are working <laughs> together and you're pushing everybody. And thank God you did because it was a godsend for you that it was done mm. before COVID, right? But so in that case, again, like some pressure some of that normal nerves and and pressure that we all put upon ourselves, whether, you know, you happen to be an Olympian, a four-time Olympian, but we do it. I do it running the Boston Marathon. My friends do it who've never qualified to run the Boston Marathon. So I don't think you have to be an Olympian to put that pressure on yourself mm -hmm. and make things harder. Yeah. So I think in those two races where you excelled, you know, maybe the London thing is just, you know, that you had your whole family there and it just all came together. But, you know, you had some circumstances that helped you to relax and be like more at peace, more at ease. So do you think there's anything to that? And if so, how do you get yourself or try to get yourself into that space for Berlin? Yeah. So I think um, a couple of things. So I think about the training that you put in. So that's the number one, that if you, you can't kid yourself, right? 
you know, if you go out there and you you know the courses, we run the same, you know, I'm sure you're the same, but, you know, as you run the same places, you do your sessions at the same locations, you know, okay, wind is a factor, uh, might rain, but generally, you know, especially when you do some track workouts, you, you kind of know where you're at, right? Um, you know that you've got this window, particularly in the marathon, you know, you've got this block where, you know, it can be plus or minus, um, you know, a good day. But if you're not, unwell on the race day and things like that you you have a rough idea as to how you're going um you know so I think that your training is the first piece if you're confident in your training then that's step one to feel relaxed Um, when you're going into something and you really want the outcome and you you know your training's not quite there I don't think you can kid yourself and so I think that creates a fair bit of nervous expectation that you just can't get away from um, probably in the lead up to Gold Coast, I was focused pretty high on my 10K speed, um, which was then reflective of the 10K PBR I ran, uh, because I thought that I was going to get selected. Well, I thought didn't think I was going to get selected, but I was under the impression from our selection policy that if I ran fast over 10 and a half in the period, that I would be con- at least considered. Um, so I put a lot of effort into, you know, making sure my 10K speed was right. Um, probably not as many marathon sessions that I needed to do for Gold Coast as I would have liked. Um, so we put that into this Berlin prep, which is kind of, you know, quite a nice, if you look at the overall plan of the year, it's kind of nicely um, stepping in the right direction. Um, so I guess, you know, being confident in the training is, is number one. Um, the second is drawing from other experiences. And I guess you don't know that until you experience a whole lot of races, you know. So, you know, one race that um was you know a good eye-opener for me was um I got sick in Chicago and in 2019 I was in really good shape um but I got food poisoning uh before the race and uh went into it feeling a bit off and then I was you know I set out still on the same plan um but at about 28k I think it was um I started to vomit (laughs) I started throwing up through the um through the race and I finished the race. It was totally crazy. Everyone says to me, why did you even keep going? Why did you do that to yourself? But um, I just was hoping that, you know, like after an episode of then I might feel better, you know, and I'll just keep going and then I might be able to pick it back up. That's crazy marathon runners would do weird stuff. But, um, you know, I ended up surviving, getting to the line and, you know, ending up in medical and being looked after there for about three and a half hours. Thank you to the wonderful medics at Chicago. Uh, but then I got back up to the room and um, Pete was like already with some Lego on the hotel room floor saying, Mom, you're finally back. Can we play Lego now? <laughs> I was feeling terrible. Um, and then my manager came in and, and he was like checking on me and he's like, are you okay? And and then, you know, he was like, okay, so do you want to run a soccer? <laughs> this was like hours after I've come out of the medical. And you know, bless him because, you know, like, he obviously knows my personality because my brain would be going, what What am I going to do? I haven't qualified, you know. And, um, yeah, so I went and had the opportunity to run a soccer and had a great day there and um, negative split and just ran so strong in the last 12K of that marathon. Um, it ran 226 or something. And I learned from myself that I can actually neg- negative split a marathon, you know, um, something I didn't know about myself. So I think all these little like memories and experiences coming together um, help you relax a bit more about the overall outcome. I mean, obviously, I felt pretty upset about Chicago because I thought I could really do amazing 
uh, an amazing performance there at the time, but um, maybe just all these things are meant to be part of that whole build up to something different and we'll see. Every bit of it is is part of your journey and you're learning from all of it, from every step along the way. And uh, forced to throw in, throw the mom hat on and play Legos with Pete on the floor <laughs> after throwing up. I swear, I thought you were going to tell me you threw up all of his Legos. I thought that was next coming. And then and then you tell me your manager's like, let's go run a soccer. I'm like, I love it. This is a woman after our own hearts, man. The theme of this show is stay in the fight, man. That's the mantra, stay in the fight. This girl knows how to stay in the fight. She's doing playing Legos after throwing up and with 28K to go and finishes the race off. This is not to you know punch out and playing with her son on the floor and then you go to Osaka and run your PR and so you and run a negative split so you've now proven that you can run races close together right and you you know you're, so you're learning more about that and you're learning you can run a negative split and you you, you deal with tough things it makes you tougher right it just each one of these things it just makes us stronger it puts more up here in the mental game like as these things come up we don't get rattled as much, right? And if they do come up, well, I threw up a 28K and I still run another 14K. So how bad could it be? You know? Like I made, I made it through that. So, okay, sure. Sign me up for another. What about doing New York after Berlin? Yeah, why not? Tell your coach, let's do it. Come visit Ron in New York City. I love That's it, right. man. I think you're gonna be. I think you're gonna be ready for Berlin. You're gonna be in a good, a good space. And um, we should throw it out there because you're talking about running that fast 10k for everybody at home. 31:49. That's cre- seriously cruising. 31:49. Wow, I'm really lucky, but I actually ran 31:20. Oh, run. my yeah. bad, my bad. How did no, I get that? Well, um, yeah. So they haven't got it on the World Athletic uh, website because. Um, it need the course uh, needed to be certified on the day, and so it's an it's a state it was a state championship, so it was accurately measured and you know it'd been checked three times and by our officials you know and all of that. So it was a a legit ten k, but unfortunately, uh, World Athletics brought in a rule just only like this year or the last year. I'm not sure exactly the timing of it, um, but it can't be recognised. It's an Australian all comers record and only like three seconds off Benita's national record uh, but can't be recognized because they haven't certified the course with aims so they have certified the course for next year so i'll have to go back and give it another shot <laughs> that's thank you you bailed me out because that is where no, i got that's that right. that's where i got all your prs from and all your times and i try to memorize <laughs> that stuff and commit it so i feel like ready to beat myself up because i got your 10k time wrong but it's uh, not it's right. not on there not, so, not listed on there but 3120 that's crazy amazing just uh that's so awesome that you're still working on the shorter stuff and keeping the wheels because it's so important. Um, and it, it, it always trans translates over. I mean, if you can, if you can get it rolling that fast in 10 K or, you know, a 10 mile half, I mean, I don't know what other distances you like to put some focus on, but all that stuff's going to pay off for sure. And this way, when, when the rubber meets the road out there in Berlin and somebody drops a hammer, you could cover it, right? You'd be, you'd be ready to cover those moves for sure. Right. No, it's going to be pretty amazing. I feel very blessed to be part of the field. You know, Kira and Sarah are going to be going after it for an American time. And I think Kira wants to, you know, break the record again, her own record. Um, you know, I think Natasha from Canada, she's trying to, 
you know, do similar for Canadian record. And so it's going to be pretty amazing, especially, and then all the women will be trying to run, what, 216 or something crazy like that. So, uh, yeah, I think the buzz, uh, you know, and you can't, you know, go past the great man, Kim Choi being there. So, um, yeah, the buzz on the start line will be pretty cool. Yeah, I think the energy is going to be crazy. And having run Berlin before, I mean, they have these massive uh, walled television screens. I don't even know how big they are, 150 feet. I'm not good with this stuff. The kind of stuff you'd see at a World Cup, you know, they're just there in front of the starting line and they just got the microphone and the music blasting and getting everybody going. It's just, it's just a wild. It's funny because it doesn't fit with the atmosphere of the rest of the race. Like when you're in the corrals and the pens, <laughs> it, it feels like New York City. I mean, literally, you're like, let's go, man. Let's fucking go. Let's go run. And then, boom, you take off and then it's like, okay, everybody's just like out there on the course mellow, like, hey, you know, they wave and they, you know, they cheer for sure. But it's just not, again, it's not like that wild kind of energy crowd, but, um, you know, you, it's such a different race for you all. I mean, you're going to be competing with some crazy fast women and you're going to work together, work in packs and, you know, you're all going to push each other. And I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait to be there and run my own race, mm -hmm. but also to be, to be part of it, you know, and just see, see what goes on and, um, you know, you're all like you and Sarah Hall are ASICs and, you know, Kira's Nike. So, you know, the different teams and who's running with what gear. But, you know, that helps because, you know, you have to do a lot of PR stuff and, you know, appear appearances and, you know, jump on the microphone and have a chat with different brand people. So hopefully ASICs will be over there, you know, in force, like supporting you all. And and, uh, you know, they're they're uh, impressive. Their shoes. I haven't been able to get the new uh, Meta Speed twos or threes or whatever the heck number they are. I haven't been able to get them yet because it's just not as available. The orange and yellow ones are my jam. I'm all about the orange, as you can see behind me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got I to gotta get me some of the, I don't know the difference between, it's the Sky and the Speed, right? The Meta, like yeah, just the two. Yeah, the Sky, the Sky Plus. Yeah, there's a new colorway coming very soon, within weeks now, I think. Yeah, awesome. so they'll be available before Berlin. <laughs> Good. And you, you'll be rocking those for sure, right? In, uh, yeah. in Berlin, right? And, and yeah. one good thing people may not realize, but I know from Berlin, the last three years, I ran it before the pandemic came, um, Nike would always drop their newest Vaporflies or Alphaflies over there. And everybody would get pissed off at me because I just walk into a Nike store in the mall, which is like right across the street from where my hotel is on Potsdamer Platz, which is right by the park. I mean, it's right by Tiergarten Park, you know, by Brandenburg Gate. Yeah. And I walk into what are you doing? I'm like, what do you, what do you think I'm going to do? Buy like 12 pairs of shoes in the store and take them on the plane with me to bring them home for all of you guys? Like, come on, man. They're like, all right, Ron, I'm a size 10 and a half. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Santa Claus is not my middle name, you know, like it was just, and plus they were putting limits. You couldn't buy more than one pair yeah. anyway, but it was cool that you could always get them. So I'll probably, I would not be surprised if Asics had all their newest stuff out over there and Puma and all the other manufacturers yeah. that are, that are doing their thing. So, so super, super super cool. So we've talked about some of your biggest moments, most memorable moments. We didn't really talk at all about like mindset, like when you're out there in a race or even on a hard training run, when you're out there and you're doing your work, like, what do you think about? Like, what do you, do you have mantras or you have like self-talk that you try to use? Like when you're out there, when things get really tough or even not when, when it's not tough, just to try to help you center yourself when you're out there in the midst of a race in a tough spot. Yeah, so I'm probably more of an introvert, which then would lead you to believe that, you know, I would like running on my own. But it's quite the opposite, which is kind of funny because I hate running on my own. 
I like chatting to someone on a run, you know, which is different to my usual personality where I'm kind of, I need like a bit of calmness and, you know, get your energy from yourself rather than from others. But when I'm on a run, I get my energy from everybody else. So it's kind of opposite. Uh, I love training. I've got a really awesome group of guys that I train with and, and which obviously Locke's part of as well. Uh, we do track work together and they're from Melbourne University. And so that's the club I run for and we um, meet every Tuesday night and we meet for long runs when it's not marathon-specific long run day. Uh, And occasionally some of the guys um, would join me for like some midweek marathon sessions when they were also training for Gold Coast. So um, I really like enjoy training with others and really kind of, you know, hanging on and, and playing my part in the track sessions. So you know, they don't lead all of the reps. You know, I usually set their training on track days uh, because it comes from my coach to go to them and, and they all jump in and they help me in my um, training on Tuesday nights, which helps them with their, their goals as well. Um, and But I make sure I lead at least one of the reps, um, if not two. Uh, sometimes they make me lead two, uh, which is pretty funny because they're all like a bunch of young guys and here I am, this, you know, old lady. <laughs> leading all these guys <laughs> for at least a rep. Uh, so it's pretty fun. We have lots of fun and laugh and joke and, you know, that sort of stuff. But I also, you know, try to make sure I do my part and, and I'm part of the, the team environment and really hang on when I'm getting tired. So, um, and also I'm doing a lot more Ks, um, you know, in the lead up to those because at the moment training for a marathon. Um, so that, you know, that's where I get a lot of my energy uh, when I'm running on my own, I tend to start thinking about work things and what I'm meant to be doing or what am I going to cook for dinner or <laughs> things like that. And, and then I think to myself, my gosh, this is like the, you know, 565th time I've ran this course on this creek. <laughs> you know, I'm getting more of this, <laughs> this same run every morning, you know. Um, so I tend to, you know, do some of that, uh, when I'm on my own, uh, which I'm sure, you know, I don't think every, I don't think runners necessarily get out of bed every morning and go, wow, I can't wait for this run again today. Um, you know, we, we love it, but we don't like it when we can't do it, but I don't think we necessarily get excited about every single run every day. Um, yeah, so I think that having that team atmosphere, having the people around to run with, um, and Locke has had, um, my husband has had some back stiffness, so he can't run as far as he used to, but um so for the longer marathon sessions he's been riding um a bike that we bought recently and that's been really helpful because you know just having him there chatting away he'll just talk about random stuff when I'm you know in the middle of um you know 30k's worth of work and he'll just chat to me and that makes me feel like you know I'm not alone so um yeah so that's been really handy actually having him on the bike and being up you know because he can talk and I can't so he's um in the hard reps so you can just talk about stuff and <laughs> take your mind off it rather than thinking well I've got you know another 10k to go or whatever it may be love it so it's all about teamwork with the young lads chasing you or you know you leading them out and uh dividing and conquering and you know having company and then uh hubs on the bike 
super important. And A, you can get some fluids as well. I mean, that's that's a double that's bonus, right. man. Are you kidding me? He's got the fluid bottle. So, I mean, that's like that's a, right. that's a win-win. Are you kidding me? If I could like pay somebody to ride alongside me in a bike, I would have worked that out a long time ago, man. Like, come on, man. I need a long run. I need some long run support. Everybody else has got their own long runs to do. And the problem is everybody's paces are different. So it's like, it's not as easy as you think. You think it'd be just super easy to say, okay, who wants to run this much at this? And, you know, we all go through it. And I run for a super competitive club team and our, our paces are so wildly different from like five minutes a mile all the way up to like 930. And, you know, it's a huge difference of 20 or 30 seconds a mile is you're really not going to be able to work together. Not at all. Um, maybe yeah. for the warm up miles, you know, when everybody's just getting loose before you start to hit paces and whatnot. So, um, super cool. And, um, do you use a mantra at all? I mean, do you have anything in your own head that you would say to yourself, like, you know, to center yourself, like minus stay in the fight, of course, but, um, I'm just wondering if you have one and a lot of people use more than one or whatever, they count backwards or do all this other fun stuff. But I, I always like to ask in case somebody has one. I don't actually. So you might have to create one for me and I'll try it out in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. When yeah, I come. Maybe all the listeners can share me one. Yeah. Share one with me and I'll try it out and report back. <laughs> no question. We're going to write up when this post goes live and the pod goes live. We're going to write Lisa is looking for some suggested mantras. And, you know, when I <laughs> head over to Berlin, I'm going to make sure we get you a little run chats hat and a little hoodie, which has the stay in the fight, you know, mantra oh, on nice. there. So this way, you know, you'll have some swag to take home home with you um, when you head back from Berlin after your race, which is going to go like super well. So um, <laughs> so that covers like mindset. How about like darkest hole, toughest thing you've ever had to dig out of? It, it can be running related. It can be family or health related or just any in any specific thing and how. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, the ch biggest challenges for us as being, a you know, a tight knit family has been more when, you know, we've lost family members and, and also, um, more recently in the last few years, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's. So, um, you know, you know, getting that news has certainly not been um, something that we were all prepared for. And, you know, um, so that's probably been one of the, the biggest things for us, um, you know, losing my grandparents who were, you know, spent a lot of time living with us and things as kids. And, um, you know, we, uh, we would love to still have them around. So they're probably, you know, the, the most troublesome experiences of our lives. Um, but in terms of running, I mean, you know, getting through that Chicago race, feeling very unwell was probably, uh, one of the biggest challenges for me, but I'm glad I finished, you know, because, you know, it, it, as crazy as it was and horrible for anyone seeing me running, um, and, and being unwell on the sidelines. So I, I funnily enough, was thinking about that, about, oh no, the poor people on the sidelines are seeing me right now. I was probably not thinking about the right things, but maybe that was, you know, a good thing given what I was doing. But, um, yeah, just getting through that and still being able to get to the end and, um, you know, that was a running experience that was pretty hard. Um, but other than I think I kind of spent most of my, you know, junior running years going through so many injuries. So, um, you know, each one of those taught me something else that I could try. Uh, to, to overcome the injury and then um, implemented that and you know this wasn't successful tried something else the next time etc um, and I think that's a good skill to have to be able to keep trying something new like you said stay in the fight and um, because there were so many times where I could have just quit um, and you know even going back to dad like he he has Parkinson's but my gosh he's um, you know achieving so much with the support of my mum um, 
with it. You know, he's keeping active. He's still, you know, the, the gutters fell off our um, home, my nan's home actually in, in um, central Victoria. We still have it in the country and spend all our Christmases there. And we had some bad storms only recently and the gutter fell off. And mum was ringing me last week because they had gone up to the house and to fix it. And my dad actually got up and fixed the guttering, you know, like, um, you know, so I think that I get a lot of that, you know, um, endurance and strength from, you know, mum and dad just really, you know, nothing's going to stop me kind of approach. And that's pretty a pretty special um, skill to have because, you know, no one goes through life where it's just you breeze through, you know. They're, everybody has stuff that, you know, you've got to get get through and you really need, um, you know, support and you really need to be prepared for, you know, what's ahead and, um, you know, in some ways sport and marathon running helps you with that. Yeah, no doubt. You know, the fire and the drive comes from, you know, dad and and mom too, for sure. Um, but, you know, God bless, um, horrible to hear, you know, that he's going through that, but that, you know, your, your mom's looking after him and you're all like keeping watch over him. And um, it's just tough. It's the hardest thing in the world. There's nothing harder than to watch our parents or our grandparents, you know, who we're close with and we spend so much time with, you know, struggle or suffer because we, we take it on for ourselves anytime over them and to have them go through it. Um, but no doubt, um, you know, that stuff shaped you and has made you incredibly strong and tough and resilient. And, uh, you know, you, you could have had no running career at all. I mean, for the most part, I mean, you could have just literally just taken that other fork in the road and said, I'm just going to put everything I have into my business career. And, you know, I'm just going to run for fun um, because this injury thing is just too tricky. But, you know, you got this, the feistiness, man. You have the toughness in you and you're not going to quit on something. You're not going to give up. So you stuck with it. You worked through it. You had to have some things go your way for sure. But we all do. We don't ever make it out to the other side of anything without help, you know, whether it's from our closest family members um, or teammates or someone we look up to. Um, so it's a perfect uh, segue into like coaching, mentor, um, because I know, you know, your coach has had a significant impact on you, you know, as long as, as well as your dad, you know, getting you into running and sport and all, but, you know, talk about that relationship. Cause I know that's a pretty important one to you in your life and a very meaningful one and how much it shaped you, um, throughout your career. Yeah. So I've been very lucky to have such strong coaches throughout my career. And, you know, I guess in each one was happy to hand the baton over to the next and stayed part of my life, you know, as part of that whole team. So, um, you know, that's been really positive for me. So my, you know, my junior coach, uh, Jeff, he, um, is still coaching. So, so passionate at the junior club that I started with. And, you know, we go up there. It's the club is only, you know, three kilometers away from my home. So we go up there and do some track work there. Um, and you know, see the the team that are doing their thing up there too. And uh, he he was sort of started me off. I actually ran with the boys team when I was um, first introduced to athletics because there was no girls at the club that was local to me. So I actually ran. You know, I did like the four by one hundred with uh with the boys team and things like that, which was pretty amazing. Um, uh, and then I went on to um uh, start working with Pam Turney. Um, she looked after some really amazing athletes um, who went on to, you know, win medals at the Commonwealth Games on the track and run world cross country. And her daughter was a marathoner and, you know, made some great friends um, being part of her group for a number of years. And as I said earlier, 
went on to um, make three uh, World Cross teams during that time with Pam. Um, and then from there, um, she handed the reins over to Dick and I moved into the marathon um, specific work. And, um, you know, from there, we've just had, you know, such an amazing, um, like, it's more like a family, really. Like, if I think of, um, you know, my husband, Locke and I and and Michael Shelley, who I mentioned earlier, who paced me um, to 30K and, um, and Dick and all the group in Canberra um, that he coaches. Like we're we're quite a like a bit of a family, you know. We're all um, really you know rooting for each other, and you know I do the marathon, and one you know a couple of the boys are currently away, you know, doing fifteen hundred training, and you know we joke about you know swapping training programs and you know things like that just for fun, and how we'd both cope with that, and um, so it's yeah being part of that um, coaching environment. I mean, Dick coached Lee Sondiki. Um, to a silver medal at the Olympics and she's someone I've looked up to throughout my whole career uh, and so I feel very lucky that I've got you know the same coach you know as she had that um, you know he knows all the sessions she did and the things she achieved so um, he can get a, an understanding of you know when I achieve something in training he can use that data to um, you know extrapolate into what I might be able to achieve in a racing situation. Uh, I think I tend to surprise him a lot, though. Uh, when I ran 68 minutes for the half, it was like, whoa, he used a few interesting words when Locke rang him to tell him that you know, I just ran 68 minutes. So, and then he was there for the 10K, you know, this year. And, yeah, it was like, wow, you just keep, um, yeah, you keep surprising me. Even even though I'm coaching you, you're still surprising me, you know, at this age. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can hit the nail on the head with um a PB in Berlin, and that'd be a pretty fairy tale year, um, Ron. And yeah, and I certainly am very lucky to have all those people throughout my career, um, you know, really positively rooting for me and to be successful. Uh, and yeah, and I get the occasional Lisa and I, you know, swap emails occasionally, and that's pretty special because, you know, as a kid, I was like looked up to her so much. And uh, yeah, so it's pretty nice to have those moments. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure you're developing a huge base of fans. Um, not only that's how I started following you, you know, just so, just so unbelievably impressed with the times you're running and also, you know, working full time, a real business career with IBM and then also, you know, being a mom. So it's like, those are the ones that, uh, you know, I always look for those kind of stories just because being raised by a single mom, uh, and we put her through her paces for sure. So I just know, I just know how hard it is and you know, how demanding it is and what would any of us be without our mom? So first and foremost, you're a mom. That's number one. You're an awesome professional runner. You know, that always comes number two. And then you have an amazing business career. So, you know, amazing, like, uh, so inspiring, um, you know, what you're doing with your career and, um, you know, the credit you give and, um, the gratitude you have for your coaches and your mentors, it's important because we don't achieve anything in life, whether it's a teacher who takes a shine to us and thinks our writing has some talent and they give you that little bit of extra attention. And then you just want to show them that next paper and say, Hey, Lisa, look, look at this paper I wrote, or what do you think about this essay? And, 
Um, that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. And knowing how much credit you give towards your coaches who've had an impact on you and the athletes like Lisa on who you were a huge fan of, you know, somebody you rooted for and Benita, who is now not only an amazing, you know, world champion, but also is coaching athletes. You have, you thought about like the next phase for yourself. You're not done. You got a lot more amazing running to go, but have you thought about maybe wanting to become Somebody like that for some of the younger athletes when the time comes that you could try to inspire and coach and shepherd them to uh, to great things. Yeah, I think that's naturally in my DNA to follow that path. Um, you know, I do a lot of that from a professional perspective at work, so I get a lot of that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's nice to see people. Um, you know, it gives you a warm feeling to see people build their careers and, you know, achieve things that they didn't think they were capable of and really test themselves out and go, wow, actually, I thought I couldn't do that, but I can can actually do it. You know, seeing that light, um, you know, that light come into their eyes is really special. Um, and that's the, the the buzz you get as a coach. So, uh, look, at the moment, I coach my nephew. So I've been coaching him through the pandemic and through, um, you know, the last few years and getting him into a passion running but also just to help him with his body fitness and things like that um yeah he he's a really nice runner he's um, got such an amazingly efficient style and just looks really um uh, really great on the track so um not sure if it's something he'll want to do you know in the future but um he certainly it's helping him with his body which is his number one passion um pete can run as well so um you know when he gets a bit older he's a bit young now he does some little athletics cross country and I think that's enough for him at his age um definitely more than enough I wasn't even running back then when I was seven so um yeah I think if he like wants to do it then Locke and I'll certainly support him through that journey at the right time in his development uh and yeah I look up I help a couple of mums um with their training programs um and yeah hopefully we can help them I can help them get some PRs but uh, more as a mentor than uh, than an actual coach, and um, and I'm an ambassador for Running Mums Australia, which is a group of about thirty forty thousand um, women who have had children, um, who've had way more children than me in a lot of the cases. So they know what marathon efforts are like, right? <laughs> With multiple children, as like your mum. Um, and so just, yeah, great connection uh, with the mums as part of that group. And I mean, even just things like, because um, it's not all just about running, you know, even things like uh, we were put into hotel quarantine after the games and all the mums, you know, came that were in Brisbane where I was in quarantine, you know, popped down to the hotel and um, dropped off baked goods and, you know, coffee and chocolate and um, then went down to the bottom and um, waved, rang me and, you know, waved and talked to me on the phone while they're waving from down the bottom of the um, below where the hotel is, so I could look out the window at them and um, have a chat. So you know that sort of um, you know friendship and relationship through that group of women has been pretty special as well. So yeah, things sort of down the track. Um, I don't really know when I'm going to stop running competitively. Uh, once I can't PR anymore, I think I'll probably just go. You know, I'll uh, go down in distance. Uh, many people say, "Oh, when are you going to do ultras?" Uh, but I couldn't do ultras. I would rather go back to 5K. <laughs> so, I don't know. They run so far. I don't, I don't think that's for me. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, finding time to help the boys and, um, yeah, just enjoy life and, and make the most of, you know, what's ahead. 
uh, for me is probably the future, what the future will hold. Fantastic. Um, that all falls under community service. And uh, it's so important to me. It's it's always like kind of the last place I close every episode because I think um, it doesn't matter where in the world we hail from, um, whether it's Melbourne, Australia, or New York City, or anywhere in between, there's always something else that we can find a role of something we can do for another person or another group. Um, and if that's working moms or non-working moms, stay-at-home moms, whoever it is, um, with running, with coaching, um, helping them with their confidence or stress or whatever it is, doesn't really matter. Um, in your business career, helping lots of people. Um, as an athlete, you know, you have a responsibility, you know, to talk about what you're doing with your running and and the brand and that kind of stuff. So I could see you um, filling a lot of roles, you know, for ASICs down the, down the road too, talking about the brand and the products and speaking to up and coming runners about what it takes to be healthy and, and make it um, in a, in a dual kind of working role. It's not a dual, it's really a triple role because, you know, you're working and you're a mom and you're a professional runner. So I don't know, dual is kind of selling it a little short, but it's a unique position and um, one that you're doing uh, like amazingly, remarkably well at, but also with a lot of grace and humility. So um, I'm just so happy you came on and, and shared your amazing story with us because it's, uh, it's just really inspiring. Oh, thanks, Ron. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in Berlin and I know Locke will be keen to catch up with you. So yeah, really nice timing and great that you'll be there too. We can uh, we can enjoy that atmosphere, can't we? <laughs> that Berlin atmosphere. <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. Um, look forward to meeting the family. That's going to be very, very fun. And uh, before we let you go, before we roll out, um, do you have one last message maybe you want to leave with the Run Chats audience? I think the key thing my dad used to say to me uh, when I was going through the injuries is um, nothing beats persistence, he used to say to me, uh, you know, when I go through each injury. And and so I think that's kind of stayed with me that, you know, you just keep trying and trying another way and uh, you just never know what, you know, what you can achieve. You know, if you give up prematurely, then you really don't know what, you know, what you've missed out on. And that's been a huge part of my career. I've you know, just opened the door for these opportunities and, um, you know, had some really great experiences. So uh, try not to say no to things, even if you think you can't quite achieve it, because, you know, if you persist, you'll um, you'll surprise yourself. Fantastic. What a great message to land it on. And uh, again, just so thankful and so fun getting a chance to talk to you and chat and uh, have our first amazing Aussie runner on. So it's going to be hard to beat. <laughs> I don't think we're going to beat this story for sure. Um, but uh, look forward to meeting you and the family for sure in Berlin. Maybe we can get a little shakeout going and get a couple miles Sounds in and a, and a little real life run, run chat for the race just to relax and have a little fun. And what we tell all our guests at the end of every episode, we tell them to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. What an absolutely amazing and inspiring journey. I was in awe at times, laughing, in shock, and just really couldn't believe how much Lisa has had to endure over the length of her career. The setbacks with stress fractures initially until she was able to meet um, a podiatrist who designed some orthotics for her to help her get healthy the various coaches along the way who took her under her wing and helped her get stronger and her connection with her dad's Australian rules football team, the footy team, uh, being around those athletes, being around her dad in competitive 
uh, athletes, her whole life, no doubt, uh, shaped that fire and drive that is such a part of who she is. She's so persistent. Um, throwing up at 28K in Chicago, how many runners would have punched out? How many elite runners would have punched out and just walked off the course? Not Lisa. Um, she she pushed through the last 14K and no sooner was she home that she was on the floor playing Legos with her son, Pete. Uh, and just a few minutes after that, her agent's talking her into going to run Osaka. So um, just some beautiful, beautiful examples of uh, persistence and feistiness and and stay in the fight spirit, man. Just really, uh, just I enjoyed this one so much. And I hope you all um, find so many takeaways from Lisa's incredible, incredibly inspiring journey. And um, for everyone out there that uh, always takes that extra step that goes on Apple Podcasts and writes a quick review or rates the episode. I can't thank you enough. It means so much to us. Um, it helps us grow our listener base. And most importantly, it helps me as a podcast host get amazing athletes like Lisa to come on and share their story. Man, God bless. What a story. I feel so privileged to uh, get to host these conversations sometimes. I'm just so lucky and so blessed. And I thank you all, every single one of you that takes time out of your day um, or your nights to uh, put those headphones on, whether you're on a treadmill or you're out on the roads and you're listening, it means the world to me. And I thank you so much for uh, for being part of the Run Chats fam. So uh, let's all root Lisa to a PR in Berlin. I hope she crushes it and she's up there finishing real high. It's going to be a crazy, fast, elite women's field for sure. And uh, to all of you with fall marathon season coming up out there, man, you know, God bless. Get after it, man. Give it everything you got. Do your best, enjoy yourself out there, and keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends.